Lucky you. Best 36 holes in golf. You tuned in to Alternate Shots Podcast. Barney's Army. Where we talk about golf. Barkies, Sandys. Poker. Bond. James Bond. Horse racing. I'm all in. Great movies. Alfred Hitchcock. We have no script. And down the stretch they come. We're glad you joined us. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. (laughs) (laughs) Whoop. Let's start again. So, Michael, let's move on to the amateur side of the game here, the real amateur side of the game. So many of us have trouble chipping, you know, whether it's Wingfoot or it's Saxon Woods or any place in between. Saxon Woods is a pretty good public course in Westchester County. You know, what do you think about guys that are putting from 10, 15, 20 yards off the green? Like here, Billy's in front of number two East. So this is an interesting, this is, I love this, this conversation because this conversation actually does go back into history. And so historically before 1938, um, there was no limit to the number of golf clubs that you could have in your bag. And many players, even going back into the 1800s, um, many players carried two putters with them. Uh, and even before that, 1700s as well. But many c- players carried two putters. One was a putter that they used for short distance. We'll call it uh, 15 to 25 feet in. And that putter had six degrees of loft on it. And then they had putters that were for putts like this one that that Billy has. And those those putters would have, you know, 16, 17, 18 degrees of loft on them. We see it now with hybrids, fairway woods from off of the green. So that's one of the things that that we have to understand. There's the reason why we don't, um, why we look at putting off of the green the way we look at it uh, is because we only have 14 clubs. So everybody went, well, we'll just use one putter. What's your now, degree on your putter, Billy? 16 degrees? Come on, fess up. <laughs> <laughs> it may have changed over the years yeah depending on how many times you hit it into the into the bag right I'll tell you something. Regan, but billy tells me one aspect of his putter was very unique when i when i gave him the putter i gave it to him because i had to have the shaft replaced and he he had been putting with a driver for years so at the time the rifle shaft was all the rage so i said you know what stick a rifle shaft in the putter you know, it was it, it, it was meant for drivers and and the like. So, so my brother's putter had basically a uh, a stiff rifle shaft in it, which explains why it never bent on his hundred and seventy yard putts. Well, look, there's a there's a lot of reasons to to. Well, I don't have any problem putting off of the green. In fact, one of my favorite shots is using a a, a hybrid or a fairway wood off the green, and this is something that I learned from Steve Smyers. Um, who is a, a famous golf course architect. And he told me that many, 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 many years ago, the length of the um, grass for a putting green was three quarters of an inch, if you can believe it. Three quarters of an inch. Three quarters of an inch now is the is the length of the uh, grass in the first cut at Wingfoot. It's about three quarters of an inch. So when you start thinking about what has taken place over time in the game of golf, green speeds have green speeds have gotten faster. But what has also happened, and what a lot of people don't talk about, 
is fairway speeds have gotten faster. Fairway speeds now are faster than green speeds were, you know, a hundred years ago. So when you start to think about what has taken place, it has, it is the wise player, Billy, you're going to love this. It's the wise player that putts from off the green instead of chipping from off the green, because you would never chip off the green. We were talking about putting um, off of the green. Again, this is a, uh... Two east at Wingfoot. It's a short part. Putting, putting from off the green. What's that? Putting from off the green, not putting off the green. Putting off the green is unfor unforgivable. <laughs> well, let's give you time. You'll you'll do that. You'll put it off the green if we give you enough time. Come on, stick with the program here. So I think you told me you had a pretty good drive. It's his little kind of elbow left to righter. Then he took his Olimar or something like that and skinned one up there, went up on the green and it rolled off the green. Now he's got this eagle putt. He's now thinking about this. You, you like putting off the green. What is Billy thinking here? Well, I think Billy is doing what Billy's comfortable doing. And, and Billy has, has wide, wisely decided that that club in his hands is a lot better than any other club in his hand, right? So to me, I, I think, look, you know, Nicholas said this, Better to hit the wrong club with the right attitude than the right club with the wrong attitude. That's what he said. And that's clearly what this is. Whether this is the wrong club or the right club doesn't matter. He's got the right attitude. You, you don't I'm not going to chili dip this. What yeah. attitude did you bring to this shot? <laughs> <laughs> no sculling, no fat shots. This is all just tempo and speed. Guess and right. Talent. Here. And don't forget talent, Billy. This uh, is all talent. And I or lack of. Billy's too modest to tell you about this, but about two weeks after this, he played the same hole, but he was 45 yards away from the hole. This is about half that length, maybe a third of that length. He was a lot. He was 160 feet away, weren't you, Billy? 48 yards. Uh, well, actually, uh, about 57 yards if you count the backstop. Yeah, so he putted from way back on the right side of the fairway coming up and so forth and actually dunked it for three. Oh, well, it went up past the hole and uh, took the hill back down and in. In the brother-brother uh, event, we were playing with Billy Fugazi and his brother John Yep. and my brother John. And um, the thing about that, of course, it's a lot of fun to make it. It's a lot of fun to t take shots like that. But something like that happens in golf. You could be playing for a million dollars against against an opponent who's going to cheer anyway. That kind of shot makes people smile, just like a hole-in-one makes people smile. It doesn't matter who you are, who you're rooting for, or who you're playing against. It's it's, it's inevitable that you're going to smile when somebody makes a hole-in-one. All right, take three on two east. All right, so I just noticed something here. Two things. Mike got up and walked away. <laughs> Well, I got I have I got a little glitch on my uh, on my computer, so I got to fix that. He's got to fix a pimple. He's got to go get some. Uh, <laughs> all right, now we're back. Look at, that. Right. look at Look at that. He's got a little rouge. All right, you're all right. Yeah, yeah, all, all right. set. So let's go back a step here. So Billy's looking at this putt. So at this point, he's, what are you thinking about, Billy? Tell tell Michael what you're thinking about. You're looking at the pen. What are you thinking right here? How? What line to take? I'm I'm planning on hitting it past the hole and using the backstop at the back of two east, which is one of my favorite things to do. And in, in golf is use backstops. 
So mm -hmm. I'm not trying to judge the speed to get it to the hole. I'm trying to judge the speed to get it past the hole so that it'll come back down to the hole and how far left or right of the pin that, that needs to be in the first place. In this case, I think it needs to be the left of the pin. You know, and I'll, I'll just jump in here real quickly because one of the things that, that um, and you referenced this earlier about the mind and how to use the mind effectively and why the mind is so important in, in golf, right? But what, what you hear Billy describe is the outcome of a good shot. I'm going to see this break. I'm going to hit it back over here. It's going to come back off that. And these are all things that are sort of matter of fact. It's There's not one single thought that says, well, I may hit this fat or I may hit this thin or I may do like all those negative outcomes. There's not one negative outcome that comes out of his mouth at that point. And the 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 reason why that's so valuable, we've all done this. You stand up on the first tee and, and you go, I don't want to embarrass myself. Don't hit it into the tree. Don't hook it. Don't slice it. There's not a single don't don't in what he described. I'm going to play this break. I'm going to hit it at this speed. I'm thinking about how far I have to hit this or how hard I have to hit this to get this to come back off the back, back down to the hole. That is exactly how to use your mind correctly. And it's one of the reasons why people that don't chip, but putt, they think about how to, how to be successful. You put that wedge in their hand and all of a sudden they start, they're not thinking about where they're going to land it or hit it off of this or do they think don't embarrass myself. Don't, don't, don't hit it fat. Don't hit it thin. Don't, Don't pop it. In another way of looking at this, you put John Rom, Rory McIlroy, or Jordan Spieth down here, there's not a chance they're putting this. I wouldn't say that. I would say that that they might putt it. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. Here's what I would say definitively. They wouldn't play one club because they were afraid of playing another club. They have all those clubs and they have access to all of them. But what they would be doing is they would be, be doing – um, exactly what Billy was doing, they would figure out, well, if I do this, then I have to do this. If I do this, then I have to do that, right? So you talk to them and they go, well, I'm going to chip this because I could take some break out of this or I have a I, I, I have a better chance of getting that close because I have a really good lie or this is kind of a cuppy lie. So I'm going to hit this with a hybrid because the lie, I'm not going to be able to, to do with it what I want to do. So there's a, a, a more thorough examination of the situation at the higher level where you get here, Billy is probably playing the, the putter because he's got confidence in it, but also too, because he has no confidence with the, the chip or the pitch that he would have to play. That doesn't exist at the higher level. It obviously exists here. And the other thing is they practice it all the time. I mean, you, we don't practice this type of a shot where you have, you know, a ton of green to work with. And, um, and you know, what, he, what is he, four yards off the green, if that? So, you know, we don't really spend a lot of time practicing the things, uh, shots like this. And I'll tell you one other thing is we don't practice. Amateurs, like, a lot of times we ask this question, why can't I bring practice success to a golf course? And the answer is because on the golf course, you have to hit shots that you don't like to hit. When you're on the practice tee, all you practice are things you're good at because you don't want to embarrass yourself. So you hit your eight iron because you like your eight iron. You don't hit your six iron because you're bad at it. We don't, we don't practice the things we're bad at. We practice the things we're good at. But the game of golf asks you to play shots that you're not necessarily good at. That's another thing that goes on in this. You don't practice the things you're bad at. At the, at the elite level, 
They're not really bad at anything. They're just not as good um, in certain areas, and they practice those things that they're not as good in. Makes a lot of sense. Maybe I it'll go in one ball. of these three. All right, take three on two east. Oh, you know what? Okay, all right, hold on a second, hold on a second. Bob, Bob, run that back. I want you, I want to say something before you play this. So start this again. I want to show you exactly what, what I you see. You have to be at the left the... edge of my wedge there. Right past that all right, ball. Pause it, pause it right now. Now, what I want you to watch is the number of times, or, or not even the number of times, the amount of time that he spends looking at what he wants to do and the amount of time he spends looking at the golf ball. Because what you'll see with players that are confident in what they do is they spend a lot of time looking at targets and less time looking at the ball. Individuals that are struggling with their confidence will spend little time looking at the target and lots of time looking at the golf ball. So watch how he uses his eyes here in time relative to, to how long he's looking at the golf ball. Go ahead and play it now. All right, take three on two east. See how long he's looking up there, and then boom, he comes right back and he hits it. Do it's we a have fascinating a winner, ladies thing. and gentlemen? Maybe. Yeah. When I see that, I see a guy that's actually confident in what he's doing, and he's and he's much more target aware than he is ball aware. Interesting. I didn't. I would never realize that. It's great. It's really. It's great. I love it. It's going to cost you in two ways, Billy. You're going to get wow. a voice from Mike Breed, <laughs> and you're going to start getting less strokes from Chip Archer and Steve Clow. Well, Clowey. if Clowey's from off the green, he'll he'll usurp me because Clowey's a great putter, and and uh, Chip, who knows what he'll do? It'll get in the hole, and he'll get in my pocket. I don't know how he'll do it. He'll do it with a smile on his face. So, Michael, I really want to get your input. Um, I remember, I don't know if you saw the YouTube video that TaylorMade people had Jason Day, Tiger Woods, and Roy yeah. McIlroy, I think not far from where I live here in Jupiter at some bunker. And they were all hitting these beautiful bunker shots. And the TaylorMade guys, well, who's the best bunker player? And I thought they're going to say Rory or Jason Day or whatever. He said, Brett Rumford. And I'm like, yeah. who the heck is Brett Rumford? So this is Brett Rumford right here. <laughs> I'm sure Who is Brett Rumford? Brett Watch Brett Rumford in that play. Bob, if you want to rewind that and bring that back over, I'm sure you're going to see the same thing over and over again. But what you're going to see is when Brett hits these shots, he's going to spend much more time looking at where he's going to hit the ball than looking at the ball. See how much time he spends out there? Absolutely. And then the other thing that you're going to see, and this is what we talked about with Billy, is the amount of time from when his eyes come back to the golf ball to when the golf club goes into motion here. So he'll look up there, now he looks back, boom. Club's in motion. I mean, this is, this is, he is not thinking about how to hit the shot. He's thinking about where to hit the shot. Up here. Okay, there you go. So now watch the follow through. So the backswing might be just as long. If it's if it's it's pretty far, but the follow through is different. So he's That's creating brilliant. he's creating a little bit more spin as he comes down and shutting that off. The other thing that you'll notice when you see this shot is look at how active his lower body is. Everybody says that you want to keep your lower body quiet. Look at how active 
his lower body is when he hits this. Look at the knees. Just watch the knees. You see that? Yeah. I, I think most amateurs get into the bunker and they're so afraid they don't even know what they're doing. I think they just they're they're hoping, you know, that their their Sunday religious experience helps them on getting out of this bunker. That's what I I mean, look at how much leg movement he has in that bunker. It's phenomenal. It's Billy one Iron's of the things that bunker player, Billy and I are in this bunker, those five, six guys behind the green, they're not talking like this. They're getting they're getting a hard hat. <laughs> well, they're not standing there. Yeah. But but that's what happens. The mail you truck know, over there is not safe from Billy and me. All the people Whatever in the clubhouse is over there. <laughs> yeah, but I, what I'm, you could... I'm still thinking I would putt that. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, the PGA Tour now become the only the the avenue to get onto the American team, as it is the the DP World Tour, the only avenue of getting onto. Um, the team from Europe in, in the Ryder Cup. I think that's going to happen. But I, I think that um, in order for the U.S. to have success abroad, they're they're going to have to kind of figure out is is winning what this is ultimately about. And if they do, if if that's what this is ultimately about, then I think what the U.S. needs to do is is they need to change this format and they need to have a full-time coach who is not a player on the PGA tour, who is choosing his buddies to come and play on the Ryder cup. I think what they have to do is they have to have somebody that's in a position that much like the Olympics, they are, they, they hold that position for an extended period of time and they form their, their um, assistants, their cap assistance captains. Uh, in a in a, a stipulated way where they might not even be PGA Tour players that'll be on that. Now, they may be, but they might not be. And I think that that um, if they really if if winning is really what it's all about, then you have to approach it with a mindset that is much more geared to the winning instead of well, let's just get some friends that kind of get along and and make camaraderie our most important asset that we have for the team. And clearly that was not the case. All the stories that I'm hearing coming out of that is camaraderie was not great on the U S side, even though they, everybody chose their friends. So I don't know, necessarily know exactly what's going to take place, but I think if the, if the U S wants to win, they're going to have to change the, the format, the formula, and they're going to have to put somebody in place that heads this up for eight, 10 years. That would be what I would suggest. I think Eduardo and Francesco were both there, weren't they? Yeah. Yes. And Eduardo is the guy there. who was this. Eduardo's the stats guy. Gonna... Well, it's a little bit like the house that Ruth built when they built Yankee Stadium. They built it for Babe Ruth, and the Europeans I mean, put us on a course that that they could play that we couldn't. Bill, you make a great point. Um, but what I will also say is the U.S. does the same thing. They use stats, and they have stats going back forever. One of the things that happens in the in the Ryder Cup is the home team gets to set up the golf course the way they want to set up the golf course. And so what they do is they look at they look at not just their stats, but the stats of the U.S. team and mm -hmm. they go, OK, what where is their weakness? Where is our strength and how can we expose that? 
And that's what they did in France. And that's what they did in Italy. And, you know, in, in my opinion, I think we had a chance to, to put Lucas Glover on that team was one of the straightest hitters of a, of a golf ball that, that we have on the U S side. And we could have put him on there and, and, you know, kind of fought that fight that the, that the Euros said, Hey, we're going to grow the rough up and narrow the fairways and put pressure on your, in a, uh, on your driving ability, which isn't as good as ours. And the U S said, well, we don't think that's going to be that important. What we decided to do is we're going to, we're going to leave Lucas off, even though he's one of the better drivers of the golf ball and one of the better um, um, ball strikers on the, on the PGA tour, we're going to, we're going to not put him on and we're going to take JT. And he was hot. He won two out of three events before the selection. He was, he was on fire. Well, and on fire with the putter, it's not, it, his ball striking hasn't had the fluctuation, but his putting the guy had the yips for 10 years and he switches to the, to the longer putter. And now all of a sudden, you know, he becomes a really solid putter. Now he got hot with the putter. I'm with you, but he's solid. He's trustworthy, but you turn your back on his ball striking ability. That to me was a, was a misstep. Well, I mean, you know, it's look, it's, it's a, it's a lot of things too. And it's momentum. And the second you hit the ball into the rough, you lose momentum. And so you need to have that momentum of getting in the fairway. And and you, you then gain momentum when you make putts. Well, you can't get the putts to go into the hole if you don't hit them close enough. And you can't hit them close enough if you're not in the fairway. If you're in the rough, you don't have control over trajectory and spin. You're going to be, hit, you're going to be having long putts. And all of a sudden now, you don't really have the chance to gain the momentum because where everybody goes nuts on a Ryder cup, whether they're for you or against you is when the putts go in or they miss. It's not whether you hit a fairway or you miss a fairway. They make some smattering of applause, but it's not like it is when a putt goes in. We all know that we saw that in 99. I mean, we've seen it every single or every other year, every single time it's played. It was, uh, it was Reed, it was Reed and McElroy when, when, um, uh, Reed did a, give him the silent. Yeah. I think if the, if the U S is going to have the success on foreign soil, if you will, they're going to have to, they're going to have to come up with a script that's going to allow them to have success over there. They're going to have to become more familiar with the golf course. You can bet that the fairways are going to be narrow and the rough is going to be long. You got to find people that can find the fairway like Max Homa did. And you're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to have an attitude of we're the underdogs. And then when you have the attitude of we're the underdogs and we have to unite together because you're the only, like your team, they're the only ones that you can, that you can lean on. And if you can't lean on them, then all of a sudden you're you're flying solo missions, and that's not going to win. Did we ask him what's his favorite movie? Okay, yeah. Do you have a favorite movie? It doesn't have to be Caddyshack. It could be something other than Caddyshack. I, you know, I I will say this. I I I have to separate them because um, there's always the favorite sports movie and then the favorite non-sports movie for me. Right. I so always say I have, there's a hundred favorite movies in my top 10. Right. It's exactly right. So what I will tell you is I love, um, the movie, the greatest game ever played. I, I, I love it because it was true. I love the, 
the way it's the story is told. I, I love there's just everything about it. I I thoroughly enjoy. Um, as far as uh, my my favorite movie, and there there are a, a ton of movies, but recently, believe it or not, I know that this is going to catch you guys way off guard. Um, I've watched this movie a couple of times lately, and it's The Sting. If you remember the movie The Sting, it's flawed. I love that movie and I watched it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I watched it and I'm like, and I keep what, and it's, it's, it all of a sudden to your point, Billy, it's jumped into my, uh, it's jumped into my top five, which has 50, yeah. but it's jumped into my top five. So right now today it's the sting. My yeah. money's in there. Yeah, it's exactly Paul right. Newman. There's dead guys in there. <laughs> Paul Newman, Robert Redford, or, or Shaw, who was your favorite in that Wow, I I mean, Shaw does a does does a great job, but I think Newman is the guy that like you wanted to be like Newman. You you look at those guys, Redford. You're like, eh, I don't really know. He's kind of running from. He's he's not really running to go somewhere. He's running from somewhere. But Newman, he he actually enjoys that character. He enjoys the whole game. Like he loves the game. And that to me, I can identify with, like we, we did a thing on, on my radio show last week about um, the, the things in the game of golf that you absolutely love. And there are so many things in the game that you love that keep you in the game. And I think Newman in that character loves the whole get, he loves the hiring of the people and he just loves the get of the individual. And then it's move on. And I, 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 I kind of, I kind of, head towards uh paul newman yeah they even snuck in my favorite martian right yeah exactly ray right ray walston ray walston he was the guy reading the ticker tape right yeah oh, we got one here and then there was kid twist yeah he was great twist was yeah. great yeah it's a great movie i agree it's yeah. flawless the continuity is flawless there's not one you know thing where you say how could that happen or how could that happen they, they cover all the bases which is is rare in Hollywood, Hollywood will sometimes sacrifice rational logic for a, a you know a, a dramatic scene, but the sting covered all the bases. There was explanations for everything. Yeah, it was a great movie, Michael. Great. You're very generous with your time, and I would say that Billy and I would love to let's do this again sometime in the spring, or play golf, whatever. I hope we stay friends and and we can pick your brain again in the future because you've been an exciting guest. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. And and uh, I appreciate um, all of it. I would love to play golf with you guys. And and look, you know, it's it's the thing that unites us. The game of golf unites us. And and I, I we're friends be, through the game of golf and what the game of golf has done. I, I, I know you all love it the way I love it. No, I'm just anxious to get uh, Mike out on the golf course and learn some stuff firsthand from him. Mike, it's been great talking to you and great meeting you. And I'm serious. I'd love for you to come down. So save a spot for me on your dance card. I would love to do that. Gentlemen, I appreciate what you're doing for the game and obviously what you're doing uh, talking about golf. It's always, uh, it's it's a fun watch. I've seen it. Um, it's a fun watch and it, it's great to be a part of. So thank you for including me. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Oh, oh, well, at least we have a laugh to add at the end. Right. We're, we've gone from 12 handicaps at this to 19 handicaps in just a week. <laughs> that, that's what happened. Somebody changed my grip, and the next thing you know, I can't do the podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
I felt like I was in the first row of the uh, first pew at church right during the sermon. <laughs> and your brother was poking my you. Brother, my brother was making me laugh. Thanks for joining Billy us Casper, today. Billy Horner. We really appreciate your Double feedback. Indemnity. And please Arky. subscribe to Two the show. Ladder. Hit him hard. Job. And hit him off. That's 36 holes. No, I'm just anxious to get uh, Mike out on the golf course and learn some stuff firsthand from him. Mike, it's been great talking to you and great meeting you. And I'm serious. I'd love for you to come down. So save a spot for me on your dance card. I would love to do that. Gentlemen, I appreciate what you're doing for the game and obviously what you're doing uh, talking about golf. It's always uh, it's it's a fun watch. I've seen it. Um, it's a fun watch and it, it's great to be a part of. So thank you for including me.